So you get stuck with me again another time. And uh, I'll just say that one of the uh, points of job description that Jerome and I talked about as he asked me to be a part of the staff is to be called upon at a moment's notice to give a sermon if needed. I said, yeah, sure, not a problem. That won't happen very often, right? And uh, he said on Friday, well, I might need you too. And I said, okay, that's fine. I think I have something. And I didn't worry about it much. I prepared for our men's Bible study yesterday. And I still thought, no, I, I think he'll feel better. He'll be here. And then he said, I think I need you uh, to fill in for me. He sent me a note about noon. And I love being able to do that. Uh, that is one of my responsibilities uh, as an assistant pastor to the staff. As many of you know, I was a pastor for over 36 years, and I was counting up in my brain. I probably helped um, administrate over 14 churches, so I've always enjoyed it. In fact, a little bit of that experience will be shared in the message today as it applies to Radiant, because I'm really excited about what I see happening, what God is laying the groundwork for, what has already been happening, and you all are a part of it. And God wants us to be even more a part of it, just as our brother shared. He heard God call, and he said, I have to be ready to do something. I'm going to begin with Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5. I'll just go ahead and read the paraphrase. Uh, it's from the, the Living Bible. I used to hate quoting from that simply because it was a paraphrase. It was one man's kind of loose way of looking at Scripture, but sometimes when he nails it, he nails it very well. He said his plan, God's plan, his plan has always been to adopt us into his family. So that's his intention. You and I have been invited to join God's family. Jesus said that you and I would be called sons and daughters, that we belong to the family of God. He called his father, father, and he said, in essence, that we would be his brother, he would be, excuse me, his brother, a brother to us. One of the things that Jesus spoke to the disciples about, and I'm sure at times it probably graded just a little bit, is he told his disciples that if they really wanted to fulfill the law, if they would simply do some, some simple thing, love one another as I have loved you. Oh, yeah, that's easy. Not a problem. I can do that. Who do you want me to love? Somebody I like, somebody I care for, somebody that's easy to love? No, I'm going to ask you to show love to that person over there that doesn't really care about you and isn't very lovable. My friends in ministry often used to talk about, how do you love someone you don't like? Okay, I, every time I hear that, my brain goes, oh, I don't like that because God loves us all. And I think sometimes by saying, you know, I can't really like some people, that gives us an excuse to withhold our love for them. So in essence, we're supposed to love them as we love God. Easy, right? No, it may, they make it difficult sometimes. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse, excuse me, Ephesians 2 and verse 10, he says that we are... His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We are God's workmanship. I love that terminology. We don't use it a lot in the English vocabulary today, but actually 
that word from Greek comes from a meaning that means a masterpiece. You and I are masterpieces. In other words, we're not happenstance. We're just not thrown together. We're just not an accident. God has an intention for us. He wants us to do something. And guess what? If he's going to ask us to do something, has he not prepared us? Will he not give us the tools to equip us so that we can do it? And that's what I see happening in the church. That I walk in week in and week out. My wife and I came to this church about almost four and a half years ago now. And we had investigated a number of other churches in the area. Uh, I had retired from being a pastor. My wife dutifully followed me wherever we went. Uh, she virtually had no say in what church she would serve in, but always served wonderfully. And together we said, I think this is the place that God wants us to be. So we came at a time when John and Kathy were still serving here, and we saw a vibrant church that loved one another, that God was using in wonderful, powerful ways. And that began to transition because God said John's time was winding down. God, God shared that somehow with John, I'm sure. But John didn't know what that looked like. Kathy didn't know what that looked like. We didn't know what that looked like. But God was up to something. I remember when the group that was involved in calling Jerome and Heather and family here, they did it so wonderfully. They did it with such uh, an intentional bent because they cared very deeply about this congregation and they wanted, they, they wanted to hear from God. God, who do you want to come here and pastor this church? And I love what our district superintendent of the assembly said. Boy, the way Radiant did it, he said, I wish every church would do it that way. That's a tribute to the fact that the people who were involved in that had a heart for God and wanted God's guidance and direction. So he brought Jerome and Heather and family here to come and serve the congregation. And while that transition has continued to take place, God is bringing new and different people, and there are different people with different gifts that God is assembling because God is saying, I have other things for you to do. I don't know what they are yet. Jerome and Heather kind of have ideas, I'm sure, because I hear them talk about them. But we don't know everything that they may want radiant Christian life to do. But God is preparing because God is assembling because God always does things with a plan and a purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. You know, I have about five pages of notes, Jerome, if you're listening, and I ain't going to cover all five. I know that. Because Jordan took so much time with announcements. You know, he just didn't leave. Where's Jordan? I'm sorry, Jordan. It really isn't his fault. It isn't his fault. But uh, as I started preparing this, I got so excited because it reminds me of the assembling of church families that God always does. And I'll say it this way. God often does it totally without our input because he knows better and we don't. And isn't that exciting? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6, it says, God uses all kinds of different people and gifts. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. He does the working because he's up to something. The first couple verses, he says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. 
There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each of them, to each one of them, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Watch and observe some of our, our new friends who are coming and attending with us. I'm so glad you came to just check us out and see what happens here. I think it's interesting that we wanted to have a wonderful, beautiful outdoor picnic and look what's happening outside. <laughs> because maybe God says he wants us to be a little closer, get to know somebody a little bit better. God knows what he's up to. He's going to do what's best for us. That's fine. But he has gifted each one of you with a gift. You may not even know what it is yet. Have fun. Try to find out what it is. I believe our church is going to help us find venues and ways to identify some of your gifts and then encourage you to put them into practice, to share them with the rest of the body because the church is as healthy as it is when it shares with each other. Sometimes we hold back a little bit. We sit and observe. We watch. That's fine. Next week, we have Explore Radiant. If you haven't signed up, please do, because we'll take a little bit of time to share with you some of the things that go on here and encourage you. If you want to become a part of Radiant, become a member, we have opportunities for you to step forward and serve, because serving is one of the ways that we take what God has given us and share it with others because that's the kind of God he is. He wants all of us to put into practice the things that he's given us. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, Christ gave those gifts to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving. He gave gifts so that the body could serve one another. He says in, uh, I think it's verse 10, let's see where I put this in my notes, uh, that he wants us to be able to be equipped to serve. The word here in the translation, the New Century Version, says to prepare. The Greek word there, and if you read it in the good old King James, it says to equip. And I love that term because from the Greek, it is a Greek medical term. Sorry, there's a few doctors in our congregation you can correct me for this, but my understanding is I've done the research on this, the background to this. It's a Greek word that means to help all of the parts work together, to assemble it in such a way to make it work. You know, the master physician, of course, is Jesus Christ, and he's putting the body together so that it will work together. He says in one place, Paul does, so there would be no schisms, no divisions, that we would work together. And the only way we can work together is we put aside our own selfish motivation and say, God, what do you want me to do? How can I be of service? We are a part of a body. Our congregation is much like a family. Every church that Hannah and I have been a part of has always had its own personality. It was it was sweet and beautiful. It was cranky at times. It was uh, unhappy at times. We were a part of 15 churches over those 36 years. And yet every one of those congregations taught us something about ourselves. 
They taught us how God loved them so much that he assembled them and wanted them to work together. And so when I said up front about sometimes we have to love people we may not have a deep affection for. Sounds better than like, right? Okay, guess what? God loved them so much that Jesus died for them. Am I better than that? Of course not. And he brought us together so we could love one another. Oh, wow, that's wonderful. One of my early pastors, when I was old enough to know what church was all about, I became a part of a congregation, and this fellow was a a consummate used car salesman. He could sell you anything from the pulpit, but never was it disingenuous. He was always honest and truthful. But he would often talk about getting to know each other. And he said, you know what? I like to get out there, he says, after church and shake people's hands. I want to get right in their face. I want to see what they're like. I want to smell them. And if they've got body odor, that's okay. I I want to know who they are. And he said, you know what? Sometimes it's not real pleasant. But you know what? I get to know them. And I pull them close. And he said, if God wants us to love one another, don't we have to get to know something about them? Oh, yes. So we live in a different world nowadays, don't we? We all like our anonymity. We had to, for a while, close down our meeting in person, and you got to watch at home. Turn on the TV. You didn't have to get your hair all fixed. You didn't have to go and take a shower or whatever else, and I'll stop there. Uh, But it was very convenient, and the service is done. You can turn it off. Oh, great, I've got another 12, 14 hours of daylight to do what I want. It took something away from our interaction and our growth and our sharing and our building each other up in the holy faith, as the Bible says. And so God is giving us the opportunity to draw closer together again. I'm going to go through this list briefly. I love what it says. And at some point, I'm sure, between those of us who are speaking, we'll go back and investigate this list of this, I hate to call it a list, the identities of the gifts that Jesus has poured out to his church. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he says in verse 12, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body. I'm reading this from the King James because there's a certain eloquence about it. And a couple of the words are a little bit old-fashioned, but I think it wonderfully demonstrates who the body of Christ is supposed to be. It says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Huh? Do you really think that? I believe Paul is saying. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now has God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him, And if they were all one member, who were the body? But now they are many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, 
I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon those we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no need. But God has tempered the body together. I love that statement. He has forged it together because God is doing something. He has given more abundant honor, continuing here, to that part which lacked. Verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And when... And whatever, whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye, each one of us, singularly, each one of us individually, our, we are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And then he goes on to say some of these gifts. God has set some in the church to be apostles prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities, tongues. And then he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, or do all have works of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But, he says, earnestly covet the best gifts, and yet you show there is a more excellent way. And you know, that's the end of chapter 12. He goes right into chapter 13. And he says, this is the way we all can act. We can love one another. Love one another. One of the things we're trying to get started, try to do a better job of as a church, is uh, to acknowledge and recognize those who may be in need. Maybe they're housebound. Maybe they're dealing with a trial of health with a family member, and they're not sure exactly who to reach out to. That's one of the reasons we put in the bulletin that little line, would you like a visit? Please let us know, because we have people. I want to start doing some of that visiting on behalf of the church. We have three or four other individuals that will serve as well and visit you if you'd like. We can come and uh, pray for you, bring communion if you'd like. But we want to extend the touch of the church. And one of the gifts I'm briefly going to talk about, this is where I was intending to go till Jordan took all my time, and that's fine, Jordan, <laughs> is the gift of helps. I love that one little statement. If you look in the entire Bible, depending what search engine you use and what translation you look at, when you look up the word, the singular word helps, it turns up one time. It's in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. And some commentators kind of struggle with trying to figure out how that fits as a gift that serves the body. And one of my fellow pastors, he was one of my mentors, he was a professor at my theology school, uh, said that that term in Greek means to be an opposite gripper. Oh, I'm going to give you a hook now. You'll never forget this. To be an opposite gripper. What is he saying? He was from England. He had a funny uh, English sense of humor. So he said an opposite gripper. There's no great way to translate it from English, excuse me, from Greek into English. 
But the Greek word itself is, you'll love this, it's antilipsis. And we use that all the time in Greek. In case you didn't know that, no, I don't know. But the way he broke it down, he said, it actually means something that stands in opposition to, in support of, to come alongside of. Okay? That's actually a pretty good definition. Sorry about that. Uses a lot of words. It's the way Paul wrote. Paul couldn't help it. He liked to be very descriptive. But what it means, and I have a picture I want to share with you as I kind of wrap this up and challenge you to ask God to show you what your gifting might be. To be an opposite gripper is someone who may simply come alongside to help when there is a need. Now, it's a very specific, uh, specific excuse me, a special need. Uh, one fellow in writing about it, he said we might call it kind of a divine assistant. Uh, he, he went on to say, I love this, he said, this gift does not refer to the caring person who shows up at church to help clean up the property or the person even who may take some food to someone, and that's not disparaging it. But this is a definite spiritual gift. And the way he illustrates it, I love it, he says it's a time of uh, putting spiritual application of God's power into someone's life. So there's an assignment that's been given. I don't know if I've ever been asked to do that. I don't know if, it, I don't know as I've read about this, studied this, and I've asked God to show me, I don't know if this is an assignment temporary for people from time to time, or if some people carry that gift all the time, because the Bible shows that some are gifted certain ways, but gifts also can be exchanged or changed over time. But I want to tell this story because this blew me away. Uh, my wife and I were in the hospital. My wife was giving birth to our first son. Uh, she had such a sweetheart. She studied everything, read every book, prepared herself, did her exercises. She was going to have her baby the total normal, natural way. She threw everything into it. And I was there with her. There was a birthing room, one of the first ones they had in the Ruston, Louisiana Hospital. And she was exhausted. Uh, she could not give birth naturally. And they came in to announce to her with me present that I'm sorry, I think we're going to have to do a C-section. And she was crushed. She was so tired, so wiped out. You ladies that have gone through it, you know. Uh, and she just cried out. She said, why did God let this happen? I said, honey, don't worry. He's got this. He's got this. Easy for me to say, right? And uh, she came through it like a trooper. But what happened is, when it was all done and she had settled down, and some of you have heard this story already, I got in trouble because after, after the cesarean and she was still recovering from all the pain and all the shots and everything, she heard a baby cry. And she says, honey, honey, I think that's our son, Matthew. Go check on him, please. I said, honey, that's not our son. There's probably a dozen babies in this hospital. Oh, please, you have to go check. Okay, honey, I'll go check. I shuffled down the hallway. There's only one baby in that room, and it's got Matthew Knack. And I thought, she's right. And I came back. I said, yes, honey, it is Matthew. He's okay. He just is missing his mommy, okay? When that was all done, and she finally was able to get a little bit of sleep, and I walked out, I went out into the waiting room, and here was a couple from our congregation 
sitting in the waiting room. I didn't know they were there. I didn't know they were going to be there. Nobody had asked me, would you like us to come and sit with you and pray while you're going through this? We didn't know. We were in there several hours. And I came out and I saw their faces and I thought, whoa. Well, they looked at me. They said, we just wanted to come and sit with you and pray for a while. Is everything okay? I said, oh, man, is everything okay? God heard our prayers and God answered. It was a little tough on my precious wife, but thank you for being here. Thank you for praying. As I left that, and I've often thought back to that example, they showed up that day to share the gift of helps. They didn't know what they needed to do. They weren't asked by me and to my knowledge, no one else. They just knew we were, were going to be at the hospital. So they showed up and they were praying, asking to transfer God's divine power and favor to Hannah and to my son. You all have been gifted. God's placed gifts into your life because he wants you to bless the church and to build up the church. This is a precious church. Uh, there's so many amazing things that have gone on, that are going on because God has sown seed here. Thank you for being a part of it. If you don't know a lot about Radiant, come and join next week after church. Explore Radiant because we've got more stories to tell you. But thank you for coming here today. Please join me as we ask a blessing on our time of fellowship that God would help you to understand what your gift mix, what your gifts may very well be, so you can serve the body that he is assembling. Father, what a privilege to be called your sons and daughters. Your intention all along is to add to the family. Thank you that you've chosen us. Thank you that a special spirit resides in Radiant because your presence is here all over the place. We invite you. We ask you to come. We expect you to show up because we know you have such love for us and we thank you. I ask and pray your blessing on each person today that they would be touched by the Holy Spirit and come to see your love in their lives. And if they're hurting, if they have broken pieces of their lives that need your loving touch, please reach out to them and bless them and let them know, Father, that we, we stand ready to come alongside of them and ask for your blessing and intervention. Father, bless our time together in this picnic. You gave us the opportunity to be together inside. Just bless it. Bless our time together. Bless the food and the fellowship. And Father, we thank you that we belong to you, that Jesus is our elder brother and you are our Father. And we ask it in Jesus' holy and righteous name.